And good evening, everybody, and a very warm welcome to tonight's programme with the lovely Gillian Schofield, who will be giving us a talk on an introduction to shamanism. Gillian, thank you so much for agreeing to give us your time tonight and your knowledge. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I hope that uh, uh, I can impart some knowledge around what shamanism is and uh, hopefully make it give some uh, ideas of doing some experiential exercises as well. So it's not just me droning on at everybody. Absolutely. It's not the death by PowerPoint, as we discussed. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant, because uh, as I did admit to you before we went live, it's it's one of these topics we talk about shamanic healing shamanic drumming shamanic this, shamanic that what is it what is that core energy where's this coming from well shamanism is actually ancient um it's actually recognized um as being kind of one of the first forms of um medicine healing which goes back to the the indigenous tribes who used to have the kind of person you would go to for understanding whereabouts the best place to go and hunt and you know what's going on in the village and what kind of uh, assistance people needed so it was it was physical psychological and hunter gathering it kind of has the links back into the indigenous population there are still shamans um, indigenous traditional shamans out in the world um, I was very lucky enough to spend some time in Ecuador with a shaman who was actually working in a, a health center. So he, so he would have clients who would come and see him, you know, to medical center, you could come in, you could see them, you know, the, the standard uh, medical doctor, or you could go and see him as well. They had that in Ecuador and they had that in Siberia as well, when I went to Siberia and, and spent some time with a shaman out there. So it kind of has that ancient traditional aspect to it, if you like was so it is how we've kind of it's become a lot really popular um really since the 60s because one of the areas that's led it to become so popular really is the idea of these altered states of being and i think what shamanism in the uh, became very popular in the 60s when people were starting to experiment with um different ways of entering altered states so through meditations through yoga through the uh, LSD and things like that. So people was looking at, looking at these altered states. And what I really want to, to talk about tonight is how shamanism is not just about entering into uh, an altered state of consciousness. It's far bigger than that. Um, so it, it, shamanism, because it's so ancient, it, it's really an energetic based uh, approach. So the, the, the core aspect of uh, shamanism really has its roots. It's, it's kind of animistic, really. It has its roots in energy. Everything has got energy. There's, everything's got a soul. Everything is connected, which I think a lot of healers kind of uh, can connect with anyway. So there's this whole connection. So because they've got this connection and because we are just really energetic beings, that we... Um, we can look in people's energy. We can connect to people's energy. We know what's going on energetically with people. Um, so, so it's all about the energy. So when a, a shaman uh, uh, comes and does some work, what they're really doing is looking at your energy. 
And again, that doesn't need an altered state of being. That's just a case of what they say is open your eyes. Because this this whole world around us, which we we've over the years our eyes have got closed and closed. I spent some time in Peru with some shamans out there. And they're still able to see this world around us, which most people have got our eyes closed. And what they talk about is how historically we used to be all connected as one. We could talk to the plants, we could talk to the trees, we could talk to the animals. We was all one and interconnected. But as if you like, our consciousness has grown, our eyes have closed. So we're no longer able to see and connect and talk to in the same way as we could. So the part of... Um, uh, a, a shamanic understanding is this whole interconnectedness and this whole ability to talk to and connect with elemental beings as well as these sort of um uh, like i mentioned aspects of nature so it really has its roots in nature as well um I, it's fascinating um i often said in the first lockdown i i'm seeing this manifest People are having a thought in one part of the world and somebody else on the other side of the world is saying it. And I'm just like, this is happening too often now to be coincidence. It's, just, it's like a ripple going right the way through that we're all starting to consciously or not connect with each other. How interesting. It is because we are just all totally connected. And I think the thing is people going down, lockdown's had an interesting perspective because in one way, a lot of people are going out walking now and they're connecting to nature. And so they're really, you know, putting the feet on the ground, if you like, and taking that time and slowing down. Because I think one of the, the things which has happened to us, which has mean that we're not so connected, is we're so busy. We're so busy, we work hard, then we'll sit down and we'll watch the TV. And before you know it, a whole day's gone and you've not connected to anything. You know, barely your partner has managed to have a conversation. So there's that whole busyness, and I think a lot of the things we've managed to do is slow down. So I think it's been really good slowing down and connecting more energetically, while also doing, as you say, is really connecting more with people on the other side of the world. Um, I know we were talking before about how you can get people from all over the world. You can come and have these conversations now. I run a, a little shamanic gathering on a Thursday evening, which I've run for many years. Um, but since lockdown, we've gone on to Zoom like everybody else, and now I have people come to it who couldn't come to it before we have people from we've had people from canada from south sudan from kenya from poland um i run groups in lithuania from bolton from london all places which can come now which couldn't come before so it's really in the one hand it's really settling and on the other hand we're kind of i guess it's the metaphor of the tree our roots are going down while we're also going uh, up as well and so we're having that interconnectedness because the more grounded you are the further you can reach that, that, that kind of tree process definitely and I, and, I, and I love that about the uh, different nationalities different races and different religions but that one truism that we are all one that we are all connected no matter you know what our banner is how we uh, worship or whatever there is that other layer to us of this is us this is us together as one as it should be yeah, and we're all kind of suffering at the moment with the whole, the, the same thing, which again is bringing the world together. We're all sort of struggling with this pandemic and how we're managing through that. Um, though I, I, working with some lovely shamanic practitioners, they've come up with some fabulous ideas of kind of um, ways of working it, kind of putting protective bubbles around people, putting 
bubbles outside so when people walk through they're naturally protected and and kind of really trying to help people protect on an energetic level because uh, there's those different layers and as you connect to your energy then you're kind of feeling that and you can feel the different energies so it's very it's a very energetic approach so anybody who can see energies you know that that's that you don't need the altered state of consciousness you just look and feel those energies and we've all we can all feel energies actually there's a little um thing now this might be something most people have done already but i think it's a nice way for people to kind of start to feel energies i don't know if um everybody's done the what we call the energy ball um where you rub your hands together and build up some energy and then you kind of build a ball together if you if anybody out there has never done this just just take a few moments just to do it yeah just to rub your hands together feel that friction building and as you feel it just kind of feel that energy and just start to make it into a ball and what you're feeling there is your energy and i think that's really important because one of the important things when you are starting to work especially shamanically is knowing what your energy feels like because if you know what your energy feels like you know what's your energy and what somebody else's so when you're moving into working with somebody's energetic field you know this is me and this is you and this is where we connect and start meeting and it and what's what people can do if, if you've got the ability out there is to build a little energy ball and then give it to somebody else and feel their energy ball back and just see what that feels like. So you can feel that actually your energy feels very different to somebody's. It's just a way to actually start playing with energies. So it's one of the first things I teach people is to, to start to feel and connect and just play with energies so you can see the differences, you can feel the differences. Brilliant. Uh, one of the teachings I give in the spiritualism side with circle work and healing is become aware of your own energy first, because if you don't know your own energy, how do you know which is another being put upon you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And also, if you know your energy and your energy can be nice and clear, because I mean, people will heal in different ways. But what I tend to do is when I'm doing a healing is I connect to the other person and I can often feel their energies in myself. And by being able to do that, I need to know, actually, if I'm feeling something here, is that me or is it you? Well, I actually know, actually, because I know what I feel like there. So as I take on that person's energetic body, I can feel that actually this isn't me. This is me, my, the, my guides giving me uh, messages around what's going on for that person. So, again, a lot of um, it's not just shamanism, lots of sort of energy healing do that kind of thing. Very much so. Very much. Um, I feel like I've wandered into a spiritualism night, quite frankly. <laughs> Which is great. Right. So, if I, if I take, it, uh, take it to the shamanic level, then, so what, what, where I guess where I find it kind of, I mean, there's similarities, it's languages, but where um, I guess shamanism may differ is the understanding the understanding of what needs healing so what makes us poorly if you like so the the shamanic view of what when somebody's poorly is basically because they're running out of energy they've got an energy loss or there's something in the energy which is which is which makes the energy not flow so what we say is um if people's had a trauma big trauma little trauma whatever kind of trauma is it doesn't matter how big it is and we've all heard it, 
people say, and a little part of me disappeared, a little bit of part of me died, a little part of me just went away. So that, that's what we call um, soul loss. And it's, it's practiced throughout. Uh, if you look at shamanism around the world, which I have, because my, um, my doctoral study is in shamanism and psychotherapy. So I've looked at shamanism sort of from around the world. And, and, and one of the common factors of shamanism, whether you're looking at it from Siberia, Peru, Ecuador, um, the, the, they've got the, the same process of thinking around this. The energy's gone. Um, it's, it's gone because of the trauma. It's gone because someone's stolen it. And this is actually where we start introducing the idea of the altered state of consciousness. So what, what will happen is say somebody comes and they've, they've suffered a, a trauma and it's caused a part of their soul to disappear. And if a part of your soul has disappeared, then you can get lethargic and you can get tired and you can get depressed and anxious and to the, you know, uh, to the point almost of being catatonic because you can't move because your energy is just gone. So what a shaman will do then is go and collect this part of the uh, energy back. And that's where we get into the altered state. So if I go back to what shamanism is, uh, I'll introduce you to the shamanic cosmos. So the shamanic cosmos is believing that we have a higher world, a lower world, and a middle world. So the, my uh, brief interpretation is higher world is for learning. You've got the Lord of Time up there, spiritual teachers, guides, etc. They all live in the higher world. You want to know something, you go to the higher world. You want to go to the lower world? The lower world is a place for healing. It's all about healing. There's healing pools, there's healing guides. All those kind of live in the, in the lower world. And the middle world is actually the world that we live in, but also the things around the world which we generally don't see unless we open our eyes and see what's going on. So there's these three worlds. So when your soul will disappear, you'll often go and find it kind of in the lower world, or sometimes it might go off, off planet into another world. So how a shaman will go and find this piece of soul is by doing a journey, and that's where the altered states of consciousness do. So you'll get somebody who will play a drum. It's like I've got a couple of my drums up here. Uh, I've got three of my drums, I think you can see, actually. Um, and you play a drum, and the drum is the shaman's horse, which takes you in that trance-like state. And what you do when you get in that trance-like state, you connect with your guides, and your guides will then go with you on a journey to collect this soul part. So, for instance, this is a picture of... Oh, Wrong side. This is a picture of, 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 of me and my power animals. So um, there's a polar bear there. So when I go and do soul retrieval, for instance, especially for traumas when people were young, is I connect to my sacred place, I connect to my polar bear, we go down to the lower world and we find this part of the soul. Um, that's a very good question, uh, Jamie, and I'll come back to that one in a few minutes. Um, so we'll go down and we'll collect the soul. If it's little, they often sit on the back of polar bear. Polar bear comes along and helps, sits on the back of polar bear, and they're wandering along, and they, um, uh, and then we take the soul back to the person, cleanse it, and give it back to the person. So what we tend to do is, so that's where you altered that altered states of consciousness, and that's really to go on a journey um, and to meet, um, to find bits which have soul, and also sometimes the soul has been lost. So it's been stolen by somebody. So you might go to that person and collect the soul back, whether it's a, a person who, and you see it, some people when you're in relationships, you give them your power. Well, you're giving them your energy, your soul. So in essence, you need to 
one of the things you can do is go and collect that back as well. So it doesn't have to just necessarily be to the to the low world. It can be go back to a person who has stolen your power and you, you call it back and take your energy back. Um, like I said, the other thing is, is more when actually opening your eyes, so you're looking in somebody's energy and the energy's not flowing because there's something in there. And that could be something in there. It could be a person. It could be an object. It because, could be something which has come into you in this life. It could be something you've brought from your past life. Because um, everything is energy. Everything is energy. And when I say everything, I mean your words, your thoughts, your deeds are energetic. Every time, and I always remember this from when I um, studied Rudolf Steiner anthroposophy many years ago when I was young, it really stuck in my head. When you have a negative thought about someone, it's like an arrow to the heart. You're really energetically hurting those. So it really is the power of those thoughts. So when when that happens to you, it can have a, a, an impact on you. So actually being able to go back, collect that power back and take it back into your energy field is so powerful. So that's really quite useful. So they're the main areas of... Uh, the other thing, of course, is you might have a spirit in your energy, which I'm sure you a lot of people here know about. So psychopomp and things like that. I did spot a, a quick question there by Jamie around... My thoughts on the increasing use of ayahuasca as a therapeutic tool. Um, I'm a very, I'm a huge fan of ayahuasca with a huge butt. So I have been to Peru and to Ecuador and I have taken ayahuasca. The psychological benefits are so powerful. They're like 30 years of um, therapy in one go and I, I haven't said but my um, my background is I'm actually a qualified psychotherapist I've taught psychotherapy I teach CBT I've been teaching CBT at the local university for the last 15 years um, so I kind of really know what psychotherapy looks like I'm also training gestalt psychotherapy so I have a real grounding in psychotherapy and I would still say psychotherapy is a huge psychotherapeutic tool however and this is where I will caution anybody who wants to take ayahuasca, right? It is a very powerful tool. And we all know when we do any kind of spiritual work, we're attracting spirits, okay? So when you do ayahuasca, you're attracting spirits. And one of the reasons I will go to South America to do it is you always have a shaman who connects to the plant and you also have other shamans and people who are holding the space, and I always remember, I'm going to get a little bit weird now. I always remember one of my first ayahuasca ceremonies. I was laid there and I could hear the shaman singing to the plant. And I was like, oh, and I could see the plant dancing and everything. So I laid down. And then suddenly his voice got really powerful. And I opened my eyes and I saw this massive, great black snake come up over his head, go down to someone, grab a, a bean and disappear. Now, what, what, what? And so you need somebody who can really hold that space. I've, wor I've, I've worked with people who have been to ayahuasca ceremonies, who, which is not in a safe place. The person who is holding the space is not holding the space. And therefore, people are coming back with the other thing I haven't mentioned is what we call attachments, is when there's uh, something from the middle world or a spirit or something, and it's attached to your energy. And it it's ha actually has an impact on your energy. People have come back and they are behaving differently. They're thinking differently. They're talking differently because they have this, this really nasty 
spirit attached to them because it attracts to them and the person holding the space isn't able to hold the space. So I think ayahuasca is fabulous, but it has to be taken in a very safe place. So just to clarify, ayahuasca is some sort of native herb or plant or something? Ah, yeah, yeah sorry, uh, my assumption. Right. Yeah. So ayahuasca is a plant medicine. So ayahuasca, what it does is, is it gives you the, uh, the ability to really open your eyes. You know, I've talked about how our eyes are closed. It gives you the ability to open your eyes and really see what's, go what's around you and then to connect to the plant and to connect to whatever spirits you're collecting to, to actually um, communicate and, and to, to really learn and work through psychologically, energetically, or through all your rubbish. So it's actually quite powerful. Yeah, it's a plant medicine. It's a plant. You go and drink a tea. Robert. And would that be uh, similar to what we hear about when uh, the North American Indians were going to a sweat lodge with herbs? Yeah, that spirituality and that connection to open. Yeah, it, 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 it puts you in a different state, uh, if you like, altered state of consciousness, so that you can see and connect differently. Vision quests as well, you know, it's the the lack of food, the the, the sweat lodges, all those. It's all about, you know, changing that level of consciousness. So it's Brilliant. fascinating stuff. I mean, if you can do it, do it, but make sure you, but please make sure you do it safely. Um, I just saw a question from Mark. You feel you're part of your soul disappear when you're, yes. Uh, it's quite, there's so many people who are tired and depressed and anxious and struggle because a part of their soul disappeared when they were younger and older. And what, what I love about shamanism is that is you can take that, get that soul back. Wherever that soul is, you get a shamanic practitioner and they can just go and they can get you your soul back and then they can cleanse it. And then, you, to be fair, and I think this is really important as well, which often gets missed, is if you collect, if you go to see a shaman to collect your, a shamanic practitioner to collect your part of your soul back and you retake it in, you also need to do some integrative work on that to help reintegrate that part of your soul back into your energetic body. Else it doesn't quite sit or it will just kind of go, okay, well, you don't care anyway, and it will disappear again. So there is some, it's making sure that you actually do that integrative work as well and not just take it back and then forget about it. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Uh, a question here from Mary Dixon. I think this is um, a question of perspectives. Yeah. Uh, why are healers in a lower realm than us? It, 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 it's wordage. It's It's... Because if you if you think about growth, what grows uh, and healing, if you think about the ground, you know uh, the shoots come up from the ground, everything comes from the ground. Uh, we, we rise, we grow from the ground. So if you like those people who have been to the high world and the low world, you'll find you go to the high world, it's all very nice and airy fairy, and you know you talk to your guides and you're learning stuff, and it's all kind of up here stuff. But when you're really, if you think about it, if you really connect when you're healing somebody, it really is more inside, more deeper, more grounded so that you can really connect and you can connect to the higher and to the, to the middle and connect to do that healing, to really connect to that healing. So, yeah, yeah that, that, would, that would be kind of my understanding of sort of the, the research I've done on, on this subject is it is... Uh that makes that perfect sense because it just does 
you know, we yeah. do, we're here <laughs> we really energetically feel it. You know, we're up here and we're like, oh, guys, yes. Oh, my spiritual parents. Oh, yes. And, and oh, yeah, I'm learning all this wonderful stuff. And now I want to heal. I'm, I'm down here. I'm healing. I'm in, I'm in it. I'm feeling it. I'm connecting to it. It feels very deeper and grounder, if that makes oh, sense. Wow. That's even a oh, word. Yeah. I've just made a word up. Grounded it. <laughs> <laughs> you went to our next two healing. Good. Um yeah, so if I if I think back to a list of things I've got to look at. Is there any, is there any more questions? Because I love questions. Um uh, you... not at the moment, just a comment from Mary about the that's a comment really answer to her question. So it's really an intermingling. The link, the link, the tree is the link, if you like. The, you, if I was to go, I, I, I can go to the higher world to do some, to get some knowledge, which I then may take down to the lower world um, and kind of sit in the lower world in a healing pool with my guides and talk to them about what's, what's going on. So, yes, there is a connection. It's a kind of tree connection. You can kind of see here... I always go the wrong way. Here we go. A tree. It's like you've got real grounded roots which go shoot up into the sky. And, and you can go between the two. But really often if you're going to do some healing, so soul retrieval, it can, to be fair, can be out in the cosmos. It doesn't have to be in the lower world. But generally healing pools often sit in the lower world. They, they kind of sit there and you can go and you can lay back. It's, it's like um, when I go to see the lower world and, and – a lot of people I've worked with te tend to actually see something quite similar, is that um, it's kind of like a forest. It's full of trees. It's full of nature. It's full of, you know, that real energies which you can connect to and just feel the healing from. If you go and stand in a woods, a real forest, and connect to the trees, you can just really feel that healing energy. And that's how I always experience the lower world, a really healing place. How can energies attach to you? Really easily, um, if you're not protected. Um, any, uh, so to, 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 to turn the question around a little bit is energies will attach to you if somebody's sending you energies. So negative thoughts and negative opinions, negative thing, negativity towards you, that can attach to you. Um, so you. But they're relatively easy and you can actually wash them off. Some of the ones which are less nice, if you like, are the, the ones which are, if you're doing energetic work, and, and I'm sure there's a number of healers here, is you have to hold the space. So my house, this whole area, I have a huge sort of um, protective layer around it so nothing can come in. Because as I do this kind of work, it's going to attract these uh, entities. It's the same as, um, and I've seen books written about visiting the middle world, which is that world which we live in basically means you're opening your eyes and seeing what's going in the middle world. Now, when you enter, when you start seeing the middle world, those entities in the middle world start seeing you more and they're more interested in you because they're like, ooh. So um, as they're interested in you, they're likely to attach to you. So I always say if you ever go to the middle world, if you're reading these shamanic books and they're saying, go, go to the middle world, do not go to the middle world unless you are protected. Just sit back, get your guy, and just say, put a cloak around me to protect me. And that way they uh, then they won't attach to you. But in essence, we're just energy. It's just like stuck. It's really easy to, to, 
just suck on next to you and then just suck off your energy. If you suddenly find that you've, you know, you're feeling aching here often is at the back of the neck and all your energy is being sucked away, you could just have something stuck on the back of your neck and suck in your energy. So you just, just get someone to take it off for you. Uh, I see there's a, I hope that answers your question. I see there's a question about can you call back your soul back on your own? Yes, you can. Quite simply, um, I would say what you need is um, safety cloak, like I just mentioned. What you need is, first of all, is connecting to your guides. This is how you do it. You connect to your guides. Um, you work with your guides. You go to your sacred place. So you've got a sacred place. Yeah, you set your intention to go and get back this piece of soul. Yeah. You then put, get somebody to play a drum or put, oh, there's lots of drums on YouTube these days so that somebody's drumming, while you then sit back and you connect to the drum, you connect to the energy of the drum because the the energy, the drum has got its own energy, it will take you, and, and the, the drum is what will take you on that journey. So you get your guides, you go down to the lower world, you find your timeline, you go to whereabouts that your soul was, take, was lost. You, the way to do it is you collect your soul back yourself you ask your guide to heal the trauma. It's really important. Get your guide to heal the trauma. For whatever reason your soul left, you want that bit healing. So you ask your guide to heal that bit of trauma. You then take it, and in, in, in the lower world, there's always healing pools. Just give it a wash, and just imagine it's just pure energy, and you just imagine you can just take it back into your heart, or you can imagine a drink, and just drink it in. But remember the integration, If especially if it's young, it's talk to it, play with it. You know, you've got to reintegrate that part of soul. But, yeah, you can do these things yourself. When I practice, and it's one of the things I'm very big on, because I do have a shamanic practice, is that when people come, I teach them to do it themselves. I, I, I can do soul tree for you, but I think it's far better if you can do it for yourself. It's the same as I can connect to your guides. I can do all kinds of things, but actually, what? Why? For me, I, I'm very much a person who believes in teaching you how to do it. And that's how you do soul retrieval. Um, <clears throat> now we know Mark. <laughs> uh, lovely one from Joan in America. Um, do you meditate before you go into the healing? A journey, see, it's an interesting word, meditation and journeying, because... Um, Sometimes I meditate, sometimes I won't. I will always sit back because journeying is a form of meditation, really. I'll sit back whenever I do a journey. I sit back, connect to my guides, connect to my sacred place, which in essence is really that sitting back and connecting with myself, which is really a kind of meditative way. And then I'll go and I'll do the healing. I always connect to the uh, to whatever of my um, power animals I'm working with or my guides first. Shamans. Again, it depends on where you work, what, what, what you mean by meditation. So um, when I had a healing from a shaman in Ecuador, it was the most funniest experience ever. It really was like going to a clinic. We kind of went in and there was a room and it had a mud floor and it had wooden benches around it. We basically sat on the wooden bench with all the other people lined up and we all kept moving up the bench to get closer to the shaman who sat a little desk at the front and he'd just look at you and go, what's the problem? Uh, and we had a translator, and you'd tell him, and he'd go, right, stand up, let's do it, and he'd just get in there, play with your energy. He's like, right, that's you done. Next. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was like going to a health centre. Well, it was a health centre. It was a, an Ecuadorian version of a, a health centre. 
Um, again, Siberia. He, he, the shaman I worked with in Siberia didn't necessarily meditate, but he was just constantly connected to, to the spirits and what was going on. And he'd sit there and he'd say, that's going on. I remember our, um, a funny story. When we was out there, we had a guide who uh, had gone out. Uh, we was out in the middle of nowhere, wild camping with a shaman. Absolutely amazing. Um, and the guide had disappeared and gone and got himself drunk. And he arrived back quite late, rather drunk, fell asleep. Um, without when we were supposed to be all organising a ceremony and such like. So the next day, the van won't work. Uh, and the shaman's laughing, going, spirits are angry with him. So uh, then the, uh, he went off and, and found some nomads who came and got the, uh, the, the van working again. About an hour later, um, we got a flat tyre. And, and the shaman's sitting there laughing, going, spirits are still angry with him. Um, we managed to get that managed. And an hour later, we, we broke down again. And by this time, the shaman was less happy. He was like, this is no longer funny. But he was just constantly connected to the, uh, to the spirits. How interesting. Do you, do you know what? A little funny story here. When all this kicked off and with the church going online with so many things, streaming services and these evenings, the first month kept going wrong, the sound, vision, all sorts of things. And I sat in the church and I went, right, come on. And I really connected with everybody in spirit with the church. And from there on in, <laughs> I, I just thought, I don't believe I've done that, but it's worked. <laughs> and I think you hit on a really important thing there is it's not just us who have energy and it's not just um, the energy of um, trees and animals and plants. Buildings have energy. The land has energy, but also a group has energy. A, a, when you get a group together, the, there's an energy built up there. So, like you say, is if you've got a church and you've got a whole bunch of people in there, that's a whole another energy to connect to the overarching energy of that as well, which is quite fascinating. Um, just looking at uh, Sarah, yeah, if if somebody has gone on ayahuasca and they're coming back and they're very different, and you're really connecting that they're not right. I would not be surprised if she uh, if she had a uh, attachment. Could quite easily be an attachment. Right. Yeah, I'm totally unbalanced because ayahuasca balances you. It really does settle. It's um, this commonality in spiritualism. Mm. You know, when we teach people to open up, we always teach the safeguards. You know, and we often see it. People go, "Oh, spirit talking to me 24 hours a day," and I'm thinking, really. You really think that's wise? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. So you, you kind of need to say, not tonight, I need to go to sleep. Um, but I think yeah. the problem with ayahuasca is it's becoming very, very popular, and there's lots of people know it's popular, so therefore they're, they're building up and, and sort of running these ayahuasca retreats, but are not necessarily really uh, know exactly what they're doing, and it, it can be quite dangerous. So if you are going, do, do research the place, do get some reviews, do make sure it's, it's fine. Yeah, and, and that goes as well for people for spiritualism sitting in circles. Research the teachers, see their credentials. Definitely, definitely. Always nice. check. Yeah. Nice question from Lucy here. Oh, uh... Just saying, in the shamanic world, what does a wolf power animal represent? I can't remember. Um, if I'm honest, I think um, 
different animal. I think it depends on what. So if if the wolf is your power animal, it's partly what the characteristics of a wolf bring, and it's also partly representative of of who you are and and what you need. So you have your power animals that you work with quite regularly, and you have power animals who pop into your life, and they've popped in there because you need an essence of them. I find with power animals, they do they have different roles and they do different things. Um, so, uh, it, so I have I have a whole bunch, like say up here. I've got you can see woolly mammoth, polar bear. There's a bison. There's a um, a black bear. There's a variety of animals. They all have their jobs. Woolly Mammoth stands at the front of the house and nobody's allowed in unless Woolly Mammoth lets him in. There's a dragon at the bow and nobody's coming in unless... You see, uh, Polar Bear always comes on journeys with me. So these are my set animals, if you like, who I work with on a healing basis. But then if I, if there's something else happens, then a different animal will come. So a gorilla has turned up once or twice. Um, so it all depends on... on it, it's not just about what the what the animal represents. It's, it's how you work with them. Um, and I think one of the things I do when I do come and meet your power animal, it's not just come and let's do a nice journey. I'll play the drum, you do a journey. Oh, look, you've got a wolf. It's like, well, what does that what does that wolf mean to you? Why are you connecting to a wolf? What is it about the wolf you need now? So it's really taking it to that deeper level because I can't help it. I'm a, psych I'm a psychotherapist. I want people to really understand why. Not only why have you got a wolf, but what does it mean to you? What's it? What's it, what does it represent in you as well? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. Have you talked to the wolf? Have you have you had a chat with the wolf and seen what it what it's want? Have you done a journey and just sat? And if you don't know how to journey or if you haven't got, well, just put a drumming CD on. This is what I suggest to people if they want to do a quick journey but they don't want, don't really understand the whole cosmos thing. Sit back, put a CD, put a YouTube on of a drumming journey. Sit back. Breathe, connect, relax, and then what you do is you just set your intention to go and meet, in this case, the wolf, and you sit there and you go to your sacred place. You just think of a place in nature, and this is a place where you step between worlds. So a sacred place in shamanic is a place between two worlds, okay? So you always go there to step into the next world. So what I would say is, so you imagine your sacred place, and as you're sitting there and as you're connecting, you set your intention three times, always three times, and then you walk down a path, and as you walk down the path, you expect that you walk down, and there's an opening. And in the opening, there's your wolf. Go and connect to it and ask it. Ooh, I've just read your. It feels like home. It could quite. It could be. You could be really connecting to a past life with it. You know, you said is. Uh, I think you said something about Native American. Yeah, you know, you was once a Native American. Maybe it sat with you there. Yeah, fabulous. And I love your teaching there about, you know, we're not passive. You know, when we work with spirit, when we work on the shamanic level and everything, you know, people, you are not passive. You know, if no. somebody walked into your room and stood there looking at you, would you just sit there going, oh, I wonder what they want? You go, who are you? What do you want? Yeah. And yet people throw ourselves out on meditations and say, and this came up. Okay, okay what was that about? No oh, idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What did they say? What do they want? Talk to them. It's really exciting. Yeah. But, I mean, the one thing we know is that there's, um, I mean, you probably know spirits, but, you know, all of these animals and um, the trees, they all desperately want to talk to us. So talk to them. 
and, and it's interesting because there's two layers. And I always say this because everyone says, oh, I always go into old trees. And I always go, but do you listen to them? And it's like, what do you mean? And it's like, right, you go to your garden, you go, hello, tree, and I give it a hug, and I've got a tree in the bottom of my garden. And it's like, hi, how are you? And give it a hug, and I'll sit with it, and I'll talk to it. And it's like, that's fine. But do you actually sit and say, how are you? Right. What's happening for you? What's happening in the tree world today? Yeah. And actually listen, because it's that we can talk. We're all I'm good at clearly good at talking. I'm talking like mad. But actually it's it's that and I would say it's almost the next level which people don't think of. They think I'll go and talk to the tree. But actually if you sit with the tree and you've talked especially if you've been talking to it for a while, just sit onto it and connect to it and just kind of go, I've been talking to you a little while now. Like thank you for listening. I'd like to talk to you now. I'd like you to talk to me now if you've got anything to say. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Uh, a couple of people have asked this same question. How do you know you are a shaman? It's a word. It's a it's a, it's an interesting word because it um okay. Let me turn it around. Anybody can learn to do to be a shamanic practitioner. Yeah. Um if you if if you're asking the question. I would say that you're definitely called to an interest in shamanic practice. I think whether people are shamans or not is a debate I really don't want to get into because I know that causes a lot of debate. And if you actually, if you read the literature, because I am really geeky and I've read all the literature as well because I'm really boring like that. Um, uh, the word shaman actually fits with your traditional indigenous um, shaman. And the word which has been floated around in academic texts around Western shamans are, are what they call neo-shamans. Well, uh, and it's a neo-shamanic practice. Um, so I'd say if you are drawn to heal or to connect to nature in any kind of way, that is shamanic. And I wouldn't get hung up on being a title. I'd say if you feel like it, then it is. Then you yeah, are. I, I, I would agree. I, um, I think sometimes in all walks of any spirituality people sometimes get a little bit lost by focusing on the destination and not the journey uh, and once you really immerse on that journey you just sort of like go okay well this is unfolding every day that's great some days it doesn't some days it leaps ahead and yeah carry on enjoy the journey yeah for sure i mean to me and i hear people have this argument i'm like should i be called a shaman should i and it's like that's a bit ego, really. It doesn't really matter. Most shamans around the world do not call themselves shamans. The only shaman I know who calls himself a shaman is the guy is the shaman from Siberia, uh, and shaman is a Siberian word which comes from Siberia. So it kind of makes sense. Um, most people don't get hung up on that word. It's almost a Western concept to get hung up on the the word shaman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, nice question here from Sam. Uh, mentioned the group. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Um, I do have a group. Um, I have a really lovely little shamanic group. Um, and if people if people are interested, that we've got room. Okay, the way I work is I don't like to work in big groups. Um, so it's the same as when I teach, because you, you know if you do a shamanic uh, course, then um, I don't. Well, my shamanic course, I take no more than five people because it's a personal transformational group. And the group I work with, there's a small group, there's um, there's only about eight of us. So, and I do another group. Uh, so I do, I have two actual groups. 
at the moment. Um, so Sam, if you wanted to join, you're very welcome. If more people want to join, what I'll do is I'll put another group on because I'm very much for the personal touch, for the personal development. For me, uh, I want to help people learn and develop and be themselves. And, and if it's a massive group, especially at the moment with Zoom and such like, you can't. But Sam, if you are interested, do contact uh, do contact me and, and we can ever talk about whether you can do that. Come in. Um, I just saw Tony, there's some good books by, uh, depends on what angle you're looking for. Michael Harner is uh, is the most classic most people have, have heard of. He's um, a guy who's traveled around quite a lot. He does core shamanism, they call it. Um, he's written quite a lot of books. He's the main, I would say, author. He's an, He actually is an anthropologist in background who's, who studies shamanism and shamanic practice and has developed core um, uh Core shamanism. So uh, he's good. Sandra Ingleman is another good one. What I like about her is she used to, is she's a psychotherapist as well, so it's going to speak to me. So she's interested again about the personal development side of it. So they're two of the main authors. I'd say is a good place to start. Oh uh, yeah. If anybody wants to, to join a group, if you contact me, and if there's a few people who want to join, what I'll do is I'll put a, a group together. Um, so yeah, just send me a, a, a message and. Uh, because yeah, I'll give you my contact details and then just send me an email and we can I can see how many people want to connect and we'll put a group on. I've just posted your uh, yeah. website address on there. I know you're working on a new one, but there are the contact yeah. details on there yeah. as well. I mean, I mean, we have got some interesting stuff going on at the moment, which is why we're doing a new uh, So We're fingers crossed. We're hoping we can do some stuff face to face in the summer. So um, we've been creative and brought a bell tent. So we thought if we're allowed out, but we're not allowed in, <laughs> then we're going to do a bell tent in a field um, and we'll do connecting to nature, connecting to guides. We'll do lots of really fun things out in nature. So that's one of the things. Um, and I, I've resisted the transition to teaching online, but um, because we're just so long now, I am. I have got a new course starting soon. But like I say, I'm only probably going to have four, maybe five people because yeah. It's going to be personal transformation, and it's via Zoom, and so it's not as not as good as that personal one-to-one. -one, but I want to make sure people get heard, so that's coming soon. But it's not here yet. Um, that is a sign of a good teacher that I only want to do small small groups because I've been on some courses and there's like forty of you. Um, you, you know, and you've got all that vibration going on between everybody. And you lose a little bit of it. <clears throat> you do, and I think because what I what I do as well is it is an integration of shamanism and psychotherapy. That it is all about personal transformation through shamanic techniques with a little bit of folky thrown in. So it really is that kind of it's a personal journey. And if you're going to be on a personal journey, you don't really want to be more with more than sort of five or six people because, like you say, then. I've sat in big groups and I've gone, well, I'm, I'm kind of switching off and I'm not engaged. I kind of yeah. need that, that interaction, which is why I'm loving the questions. Because for me, I, I love the interaction and the, and, the, and everything to, to and is there any more questions? Have we missed, have we got all the questions? Are we missing any? Uh, no, we're up to date with the question. Oh, hold on. Let's see. Can you see that all right, darling? 
I can. I'm, I'm just thinking it over. So yeah, let me think. Right. So what? Let me. So shamanic tools, fascinating subject. So um, let me talk to you a little bit shamanic tools, and I'm, I might get to the answer to your question. So you ask me a question, I'll just tell you everything around it as well. I can't help but talk. So as I've mentioned, the shamanic drum. Um, that one's actually from Siberia. It was made by a Siberian shaman. That one I, I burst myself. So the shamanic drum is the beat which takes you in the trance-like state, which gets you on the journey where you do your journey. You can also do it with a rattle. Yeah, I've spotted your question mark about absent soul retrieval. I'll come back to that one. So then you have the rattle, and they both are there to help you go into a trance-like state. But then you have a whole bunch of um, further tools that you that you use. So over here I have a bunch of feathers, which you right so i have feathers so i have a massive great condor feather which i whack things off people when things get stuck um and also the shamanic work i do is i, I will often connect to birds of prey and work with feathers in people's energy again it says do that when i'm doing psychosurgery so i'm cutting something out of its energy i'll use a feather to cut it out so you've got feathers you've got whistles um Gosh, you've got loads of things. My house is full of random things from around the world. Um, now, a shamanic wand, um, I've got a Harry Potter wand. Does that help? Um, a shamanic wand, I, I tend to use wands when I'm using something very specific. So I've got a number of wands which are used for different things. So I have one which I'll just run up and down. Say if I've got a bad shoulder, I'll just run it up to try and get the energy flow because if my energy's if my shoulder's aching or my arm's aching if the energy's not flowing so i'll just get the wand and i'll just move it up and down and the other times i use a shamanic wand is again if i'm if i'm trying to really get into a very precise spot or like do a laser beam into somebody's energy zzz, to burn something out which shouldn't be there now i don't you I only really use the drum and the rattle to go into a translate state. The rest I use while I'm doing a healing. However, what I can do is do, uh, if, I'm, say, if I'm doing distance healing, for instance, so I'll sit and connect to somebody's energy, and then as I pull their etheric body to me, I may kind of then use a wand to, while I'm in the translate state, to try and, you know, do the, the work I'm doing. It may be to, to again, to unpick something, to, to move things around. So I would use it in a translate state for distance learning, not when I'm not doing distance learning, um, but not to take me into a distance learning. So I had a very, very long, wide answer there to a very short question. I hope that answers your question. Ooh, deer antler with rabbit fur. Fabulous. Fabulous. I bet that looks gorgeous. I bet that looks really nice. I've got an antler, antlers up there. I have an amazing hat, which has got the antlers, and it's kind of got deer fur, which goes around. It looks absolutely amazing and um, fabulous. <laughs> yes, and, and I, I use them again with the, um, I have things like the, the antlers, which again will go into somebody's energy to, to wind it out, to pull it out a little bit. Yeah, so yeah, I definitely use those fabulous, great. So would you say there's a level of those items are symbolic to sort of like reinforce the intent? Yeah. So if you think about, um, yeah. Uh, so say somebody's not got some energy flowing and you, what you can do is you can imagine kind of an acupuncture pin going in to help it start to flow. And it's just all imaginal. 
Yeah. And then it, then it will dissolve. Or I've worked with people who say he's got a, a very, um, an ankle which gives away, gives away a lot. So then I've put an imaginary boot around the ankle, which will then dissolve after a short time. Because the other key thing as well, when you're doing healing on someone, to say, say someone, especially the heart is a big one. Someone's got a really good protected heart. So what you don't want to do is go, oh, look, you're overprotecting. Let's just open it out and yay, let everybody in and you're all in love because that's going to hurt. So you might want to put reduce the very strong, nobody's getting in, and nobody's getting close to me. I'm going to keep my heart safe. You're kind of dissolving that a little bit. And so it's getting a little bit looser rather than suddenly open and then people just get hurt. So you can, you never put anything in anyone's energy for long term. It's kind of there to help a process along and will slowly dissolve. Does that make sense? Yeah, I like that. That really that just rang a huge bell with me. Thank you. Cool. Mark, your question, sir. I did ask you if you could sort of like uh, expand. Fabulous, on Lucy. Just saying fabulous to Lucy about amazing experience holding it. So another thing is is you know get the thing I was going to do tonight with, with, with just things are just going in a different way is just hold something, connect to it, and see where it comes from, and have these most amazing experiences when you really learn where things come from and connect to their history and the stories they have um so mark can you do absent soul retrieval what do you mean by absent yeah. I, I think mark is asking could you perform that say on his behalf oh yeah i can do his soul retrieval yeah yeah um so what i do when i have people who come and see me if, if they're here for a very short time and haven't got much time i'll, I'll quit and there's lots of stuff going on and they need that soul back quickly, I'll do it for them. But I'm very big on teaching people. So, yes, I can do it or I can talk you through it and teach you to do it. But, yeah, I can do it or you could do it. I hope that answers your question, Mark. <clears throat> no more questions. Yeah, Mark's just saying distant. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can do it by distance. Yeah. We're all so... interconnected. Everything is interconnected. So it's just a case of distance healing. Um yeah, I've done I've done this a few times. I had a message the other night in a clairvoyant session from Denmark. So mm -hmm. yes, we are, we are interconnected. I was I was just like laughing. I thought it was just so funny. Uh, somebody sat in Denmark could give me my father. I was like, "How are you doing that? That's great." <laughs> it, 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 I always find it fascinating when I first started this. It was absolutely fascinating that you you, you could do something and somebody the other side of the world can feel it i mean i spent today um i have a friend who lives in south sudan and we spent the day doing a what we call a pre-birth journey about what a journey where he identifies what energies he brought in when he which was connecting to the energies of what his mum was feeling like and his dad was feeling like before before they kind of got together as they got together as he was conceived and what energies he brought with him and he's in south sudan so we're doing this journey and then we're checking through his energy and, and working out how we can transform and remove these energies which are about from his parents and not his. So, I mean, he's in South Sudan. I'm in Derby. <laughs> Derby, UK. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. How did I get into it? Okay. So, right. Uh, I'll, I'll make a long story nice and short. Um, <laughs> I originally trained as a cognitive behavioural psychotherapist. And I was teaching cognitive behavioural psychotherapy as well at Derby Uni. And I felt there's something missing. It's not quite everything. Yeah. So I then went and did gestalt psychotherapy, which I quite I really like. So if you like, I've got 
I always say from CBT, I got how to work with the mind and behaviors and that interconnected link there. And then I went to do Gestalt psychotherapy. And in Gestalt psychotherapy, I learned how to connect emotionally and how to be relationally and how to connect with another person. So this was fabulous. Um, and one of the things in Gestalt therapy, they talked a lot about the body and working with the body. So I went to um, Esalen. I don't know if anyone's heard of Esalen, the big hippie place in California. So I went and did a body symposium over there, which is absolutely amazing. But while I was there, there was a guy doing Reiki, not Reiki, Reiki and body therapy. So I thought, well, I've got to experience this. So I went and had one just to see what it feels like. And I, I came out and I was almost walking on air. I couldn't actually feel my body. And it's like there's really something into en in energy here. So I got really interested then in energy and I kept reading about energy, etc. So when I, I came back to the UK, I found an energy course and I did the energy course and I did Reiki. And I was like, I love it, but I'm not quite sure how I can how I can bring that into my um, my shamanic practice. And, and, I, and, and as a, a psychotherapist, I. I like to know, I like to understand, I like to think through, I like to understand where it's come from. Why Why? Why have you got a wolf? Why have you got a tiger? Why have you got a snake? Why? I, I want to know things. So I felt that the energy healing I did didn't give me all those messages. And what I love about um, shamanism is that our whole life story is in our energy field. So when I connect to somebody, you can almost see that you can, if you really connected at a deep level, you could really feel and connect and know and and you can heal by that spiritual resonance of connecting with other that that is a huge healing basis which i learned shamanically and also because when you kind of do soul retrieval you're healing traumas as well so when i go back i'm healing a trauma from childhood there's that it gives it it was that deeper next dimension if you like Brilliant. Uh, yeah, that's how I got into shamanism, and then now I kind of try and do a bit of both. Excellent. Um, lovely Fiona. Uh, um, I, I, um, I have five drums. Um, one actually is in South Sudan at the moment. Um, I learned to a friend. So I have, um, yeah, up there at the right angle, there's a tiny little one up there. That's my traveling drum. That drum has been to Peru, it's been to Lithuania. I taught the shamanic course in Lithuania a few years ago, and I, I, I do an online gathering with them now. Uh, so that, that's an easy to travel one. So that, that's great, so that does that. Now this, this one, which I said is, was made from the shaman in Siberia, that's a big drum and it's got big power. And it's not, I don't play it that often because it's when I want a real pull, pull. Um, and this one over here is the one I birthed. So that's the one I made. So that was the one which is, if you like, closer to my heart. And it really connects to my heart. So when I do my gathering on a Thursday, 90% of the time I'll play that because that's that's kind of my drum. I have another one over there, which was my first ever drum. And that every now and then goes, I want to be played. So I play that. And if I'm going to lend out a drum, which I have done in the past, that's the one. She she kind of, and she's probably one of the only female drums as well. She likes to she likes to go and visit other people. So she's actually gone and stayed with other people for a few times. And a little one I've got, which has got an eagle on is South Sudan, because that one likes to visit as well. So the kind of, I have my main ones I play with, but I also have others which have got, every drum has got its own personality and has its own things. 
The little one, when I play that, oh my dear, that wants me dancing and moving. I can't sit and play the drum. I have to be standing, I have to be moving, I'm dancing around because that one wants to move. Not only move around the world, but move around when I'm playing her. So they all have their own um, uh, personalities. What animal? Uh, the little one and that one are both, uh, that's a stag, that's a deer. And the Siberian one is a mountain goat. Um, and a friend of mine's got a horse, one made of horse. A horse um, oh dear, I played that the other week, and that was just running all over the place. That had a very different energy. So yeah, you do need to think about the energy of the animal when you buy it, because that horse one just wanted to run. It's like whoa, whoa, whoa! I haven't sorted out what I'm doing yet, and he's off running down. So uh, yeah, brilliant. Yes, you brilliant. can. Yeah. Uh, so Lucy, yes, you can get a high priest. Whatever. Can get high praise in the shamanic world. So, if you think about the shamanic world, is really it's a world. You've got gods, you've got goddesses, you've got priests. Um, I mean, if you're talking about a, a human, an actual living human, like might call themselves a high priestess, it's not the most shamanic thing. If I was to go and visit uh, on a journey, some kind of priestess, yes, I could do that. If you look at some organisations having hierarchies and someone being a priestess, they might do, but it's not usual in the shamanic world. If you're going to meet a high priestess in the shamanic world, they tend to be more esoteric rather than actual physical people. I, I get that. <clears throat> you, you're going to see them because of that shamanic link. It's not about a title or a standing. It's either there or it isn't there. I'm novice. I can meet a novice shaman or shamanic practitioner and gel because we're on that same level i could meet somebody a lot higher up and just think you know what i've got a clue what you're going on about <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah yeah <clears throat> uh, fiona's got a horse drum fabulous does it does it make you i'd love to have a conversation does it make you run around or like go really fast because that's the thing with drums i i have um i have a horse's um uh, some hair from a horse's tail which i have around my um staff uh, which I pinched off my sister's horse, pinned some hairs off its tail, and I built a, a really nice um, thing. But no, horses are great. Fabulous. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Joan. Fiona's just asking where you're based. I'm in Derby in the UK, so smack in the middle of, of England. Yeah, lovely comment from Joan there. That is lovely. Oh. Thank you. Gillian, what an amazing evening. Really, really good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed this. This has been fabulous. I was really unsure because I thought I was going to sit here and I'm just going to talk to this screen and, and not really know what's going on. But actually, thank you, everybody, for joining in because asking questions has made it far more lively. It does. That interaction, as I said, all these programs that we here at the church are doing for the Saturday nights, I, I banner under the educational because we, we're looking at so many different topics and just getting that little intro into them because you, we've all heard of shamanism. No idea what it is about. But hearing you tonight, I've got a much better uh, understanding of it and actually a really good resonance as well because there was so much in what you said about the simplicity of things especially with the roots and the healing side of it uh it's not a big egotistical um 
endeavor or you know managed by a corporation type approach it's just great and i do love that the uh the non the non-advanced society shamanism is still very strong there you know when you're talking about ecuador um top end of russia north america and india you know it's it's so true we've got our eyes shut it is i mean it is i mean they, they actually are in your medical center so where you go to a doctor's here you've kind of got your doctor's room you've got your nurse's room and there they have doctors nurses and all the shaman's room it, it really is so central which is fabulous yeah yeah absolutely well, a lovely comment there from sarah yeah there's some really nice comments thank you you've all been so wonderful um do feel free to you've got my website so do feel free to drop me a line and uh if you've got any questions then just you know give us a shout always happy to talk about shamanism brilliant um everybody the uh link to julian's website is in the comments there uh, please take Julian up as a lady. Obviously, I love passion. I love it, you know. And when you get somebody on talking about something in the from the heart, I'm just like, yeah, great, absolutely love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. My pleasure. Just a quick run through on what's coming up with the church for everybody at home tomorrow. We have two divine services on a Sunday at this time. We have one in the morning at 10.45, and that is the Zoom presentation. So you do need to be online and logged in to take part of that. And tomorrow, our guest speaker is Julianne Harper coming to us from Plymouth. In the afternoon, we have our live service here within the church. If you are local to the area, we would love to see you. But please, please, please adhere to the travel restrictions that are in place at the moment. So we do have a live service actually within the church at three o'clock in the afternoon till four o'clock. Doors open at 2.40. And that is also streamed live to view only online. Monday night at seven o'clock and Saturday morning at 9 a.m. We have our meditation time. Next Wednesday at 7 p.m. on Zoom. And it will be streamed live to view only on the church Facebook page. We can't have any interaction between the two platforms. Uh, we've got our Spiritualist Lyceum Night, and we've got Jack Eckhart Lungland joining us from Denmark. And he'll be giving some hints and techniques to refine your evidence within your mediumship. So don't forget healers as well. These practices apply to you because you are medium. You are receiving that energy from spirit. So always listen into these mediumistic topics just to give you ideas to refine uh, your art of healing. So that's Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on Zoom if you wish to interact and ask questions. Uh, if you just wish to view it only, please do so. That will be on the church Facebook page. Friday night, 7.30 on the church Facebook page. We have our, another night with our spiritist friends from Bournemouth. And we're doing a series of talks on one spirit who's had many incarnations, Joanna DeAngelis, which is very big in, within the spiritist movement. So I think our talk uh, on Friday night is coming live from Brazil, and they'll be talking about yet another aspect of this fascinating spirit story. 
Saturday night at seven o'clock, live on the church Facebook page, we have Heidi Karodi. Apologies if I've murdered your name there, Heidi. Um, but she's coming to us from, I believe, Norway. And she'll be giving a talk on spirit and encaustic art. So another fun week lined up there. Back to the lovely Jill. Jill, you've been an absolute star. Uh, absolute wonderful. If you'd like to come back and do another evening with us on a, a specialist field or anything, yeah, more than happy to host you. Brilliant. I just love it. I love, love, love uh, that passion that comes out in people. It's so wonderful to see. And really, I'm aware of shamanism no understanding of it. I've got a better understanding of it, and it really resonates. There's so many things you were saying. I'm going, oh my god, I do that <laughs> on that level, but you're doing it on that level. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I, I, honestly, it's been a real, real pleasure. I'm, I'm so happy. I, I've really enjoyed it. I do have a passion uh, for such subjects. Yes, it's great. So yeah, thank you for having me, and definitely, definitely come back. Brilliant. And just want to finish off on that comment there because uh, this is uh, an energy that's been so obvious uh, the last year, the similarities. We've had so many people talking about so many different aspects of spirituality and we're all talking out the same book. You know, we're, we're all just looking at the same picture just from a slightly different angle. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Great. Thank you very much. Thank, no, you, thank you, everybody. Have a good evening. Yeah. Good night. Uh, take care, everybody. Look after yourselves. Stay safe. Stay sane. Remember what I always say. If you've got something troubling you, can you change it? Yes or no? If it's no, don't let it trouble you because you can't change it. Just let it go and worry about what you can do. Take care. Love you lots. Bye.